Blog Talk Radio. All power to oppressed people, African power to an African people. It's your brother, Yang Nkrumah, Chairman Yang Nkrumah, People's Black Panther Party, excited to be coming to you again on another Monday to be able to share our ideas and to exchange with one another. And like I always say, brothers and sisters, you know this is your radio program. So your comments, your questions, your critiques, even your criticisms are always welcome because I believe that collectively, when we think together, when we use our minds together, then we'll be able to come up with solutions uh, to combat some of these social ills, economic exploitation, and just the downright oppression of African people here in America. I'm excited about tonight's show because um, waiting for guests to come on. Tonight, we're going to, our guest is going to be Chairman Abdul Kahar who is the National Director of the Panthers Education Committee. Um, a lot of people who listen already know that he's my father. And we're going to be discussing revolutionary relationships. Revolutionary relationships. What is a revolutionary relationship? What does that look like? How do we create and foster, build and develop and nourish revolutionary relationships? And why are revolutionary relationships important? not just the relationships between a man and his woman who both happen to be in the king and his queen, as we like to affectionately refer to one another, um, but relationships with other formations, relationships with the masses of people, relationships with the merchants, with the shopkeepers in, in our communities. How do these look? You know, how do we, um, how do we foster these revolutionary relationships and why are they important why are they essential why are they vital to the development and growth and to the advancement of african people here in in america one of the things that i would tell you is why they're so important is because due to neo-colonialism or due to us as an african people being enslaved i'm no longer going to say that we were slaves i'm going to start using the word enslaved that we were enslaved people because, I, you know, um, with our history, the way history is and the way that they have whitewashed history, and I mean literally whitewashed history, when they say slavery, we tend to think, um, we tend to think in the terms of, of um, like, that we were, we were made slaves or we were born slaves or that we came out of, you know, the slave thing and we had no say in it. We never had anything other than that. But when you say enslaved, when you say people were enslaved, then you know that we came from somewhere, that slaves were created, you see. So I'm going to say enslaved. And, do, and when Willie Lynch came, and one of the key components or proponents to Willie Lynch was to destroy the relationships, destroy the relationships between men and women, destroy the relationships between the young and old destroy the relationship between the dark-complected or the light-complected brothers and sisters, destroy the relationship even so far as, um, you know, what what you would at that particular time, I guess you would refer to as neighbors, but would divide what plantation you belong to. So it's imperative for us to start to develop and build these relationships, but how do you go about doing that? How do you go about building a relationship when you're, social system has been completely demolished, has been completely demolished when not even an ounce, not even a 
speck of remnant of Africanism, the African communalism that we enjoyed and practiced when we were on the continent of Africa, and even in a small degree still had African traits when we were brought over here, when we enslaved and brought to the shores of North America due to the continual bombardment and oppression and psychological terror and psychological uh, exploitation and oppression even destroyed these small traces of African communalism that helped us to keep some sort of relationship. Point in, point in case, when I was coming up, you had um, the community would raise us. That, in fact, it was it was a, you know, I don't know, it was almost an obligation. It was a duty for the older people and the neighbors, when they saw you doing something that was wrong, to chastise you and to correct you. And not just, and they didn't just chastise us and correct us. They fed us. They guided us. They advised us. You could really see that sense of communalism in an African communalism. The neighborhood relationship was healthy. The relationship between the elders and the young people were a healthy relationship. Everyone knew their role. We knew as young people not to sass our elders, not to talk about it. Why? Because the relationship with the elders between one another amongst themselves was so tight that if you did sass them, you would see just how tight they were when that uh, switch or that belt found your behind. So why is it imperative that we in this day and time as revolutionaries start to cultivate and foster these revolutionary relationships? What can we do to get us to see how essential, how imperative it is for us to begin to develop those things? A lot of times we get on this grandiose scale. We want to tackle the issue on uh, on a defense aspect, or we get, you know, so deep in our sciences that we forget the basic fundamental steps of brotherly love. Am I not my brother's keeper? And just as I promised, we have Chairman Abdul Kahar on the line with the National Director of the Transportation Committee. Chairman Kahar. Uh, yes, sir. Yes, sir. I'm just letting you know your well, mic is open. Okay, uh, one is that uh, even in the language and terminology, in the language, uh, when you say we live in a community and and uh, you say a community, let's break it down. Community means common unity, and right and the European the European know we live in a community. Now we live in a neighborhood where every neighbor is a goddamn hood. So. <laughs> <laughs> so, so breaking the village down, and you breaking the village down, is is definitely what you were saying that the elders put us in check. A community is a village, and we knew everybody in the community. We knew who was the pimp. Who was the sister that was loose out there called Lucy? We knew everything in the community. We knew who the businesses that was ripping off everything because we were organized and we was a community. When it comes to revolutionary relationship, we have to go back to that. 
And I just want to call some names off right now. How many brothers know and sisters know RAMP, Revolutionary Action Movement, set up by Robert Williams in North Carolina? Him and his wife were forced out. They had to go to Cuba. And he ended up going to China. And when he came to Cleveland, I sit with him, I talked with him about that experience. That's Brother Rob. He known the streets as Rob. The first brother they put a warning poster on and slammed him around the country. A brother who was a Vietnam vet who fought in Vietnam. And the Vietnamese would come to them and say, same, 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 same. And then he woke up and realized what the Vietnamese were saying. We got the same enemy. You go back home and you organize because it's same, same. He came to organize the Revolutionary Action Movement with the uh, 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 with those vets that came from Vietnam, and his name was Rob. How many brothers and sisters know about a student group that were white, but they was revolutionary called SDS, Student for a Democrat Society, who broke in. And stole the record and exposed to us of counterintelligence program. We would never knew about counterintelligence program because the Student with Democrat Society formed an organization called the Weather Underground. Do we know about that? We talk about revolutionary relationship. Do we know about the Weather Underground? Do we know about other movements? Student for right. Democrat Society. Do we know about the Mississippi Freedom Party that Robert Williams and his deacons came for defense and supported a political revolutionary party called the Mississippi Freedom Democratic Party that Student for Nonviolent Coordination Committee came down to help and formed the first black political party? The Mississippi Democratic Party was first called the Black Panther Party. And this was way before Hewitt and Bobby came in. When Bobby came in Cleveland, I sat down with Bobby, and I talked with Bobby. And Bobby said, hey, well, uh, ain't nobody in the past to talk to me. I said, you talk to me right now. And I'm listening to you. And we made agreement. The agreement was that the Panthers, that we had to move forward. But the other agreement, he had to sign a piece of paper. I got his name on it. I got his DNA. And that's what we talk about Panthers. So when we were talking about revolutionary relationship, we have to understand how do we get along with the nation? How do we get along with the Moors? How, excuse me. How do we get along with the various organizations that claim of the UNIE that have that revolutionary flavor and that taste? How do we build that relationship? And that's why the program tonight is so important. How do you build a relationship with your wife? How do you build a relationship with your husband? How do you build a relationship with your children? And I'm saying that to say that is what a revolutionary relationship is, is family. Black power. Black power, absolutely. And that's, and, and that's what it boils down to. I think that, like you were saying, 
when we look at these the things that happened and these magnificent things that happened throughout history was the cultivation of revolutionary relationships. How do you build them? And one of the things that we find that with nationally importance of a movement, with a movement, a society is built. And you begin to start to, um, when you build a society, you begin to have guidelines. You begin to have morals and ethics that everybody can adhere to. Now, we're saying that, you know, so this is what, um, I don't know if that's me or your your phone giving the act echo in the back. Okay. Um, but you start to have these guidelines and these moral ethics that people can adhere to, and we know that all of us are saying that these are values that we uphold, and therefore our relationship is built on a solid foundation. I think nowadays, and this, especially in this particular time, with this movement, that we haven't really had a sense of uh, really pushing that movement and cultivating those relationships because we haven't cultivated the guidelines or some criteria or some morals or some ethics, anything goes. Therefore, our relationships are flimsy at best. You know what I'm saying? They're flimsy at best. But what are some of the things that you think, Chairman Carr, that we, we, we could go to start to aid us in developing and cultivating strong revolutionary relationships? Well, one is that... You said it, and one is the greatest thing that I'm looking at and I'm dealing with right now. The children will come out and they will walk behind you and say, Black Power. But they go in the house and they they MF and they niggas and they this and that. What is happening is that you correctly said, if we don't build from our home, and we build that foundation for our home, then we go out into the community, which is the village. But if your home is wrecked, your village is wrecked. And this is what the European understand. And you notice, this is why he gave us the, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> the corrupted curriculum in the schools and everything. Because when you go to bed, you go to bed as a black nationalist. You don't go to bed as a Negro. Uh, integration. And when you wake up, you wake up as a black national, not integrationist. But they have took it to the point where they have done infiltrated house so much that our politics is coming from the bedroom and not coming from the ancestors. It's not coming from the spirit. It's not coming from the head. And so when we say revolutionary relationship, they don't want that. And because that's the most dangerous thing that they have. But when, and I'm going to say that when Trump says, let's make America great again, let me tell you what happened to me today. Are you ready? I'm ready for it. Yeah, man. I went in a store today, and uh, and this was on the west side. And I walk in the store, and I turn around. And I greeted them in the store, and I say, uh, y'all Muslim? They say, no, we Americans, and we're going to make America great again. <laughs> I got, yeah, no, no, serious, man. I got in the car and got with my wife. I said, baby, I said, they ready. They ready. But you and I and and the Panthers, we're not ready about that, man. That's why I plan that uh 
How many brothers know and sisters, the Mississippi Freedom Democratic Party, the League of Revolutionary Black Workers, Student for Democrat Society, the Black Student Union? How many understand the uh, uh, YLP, the Young Lord Party, Black Power to Black People, Third World Party, Third World Peoples, and Power to the Poor People? How many know about the ruler, the Young Lords? that was there and fought. How many people know in the 60s of the formation, the American Indian Movement with Brother Rochelle, who's still in prison, who got down and wounded me and total crackers FBI ass up? We don't know that. But we walking around and we thinking that, oh, man, I got something brand new. No. The government job was to divide the revolutionary formation. And the job was to destroy the unity in the formation. And in destroying the unity in formation, they're able to sit back and say, cool. Right now they're fighting for NATO. How are we going to organize North America Treaty Organization? White folks saying we got to organize, we got to maintain our resources, we got to do this. White folks organized in unity, egos, and our ego tripping, and his only tripping is for basing some brother or some sister or some title, and we tripping. We really don't have no political party unless we understand what a political party is. We That's really right. have no military until we understand that there's more brothers and sisters on the street got more weapons than you and I got. They call gang formation, but they ain't got the politics. Our job is to get the head, because we got the arms, but get the head. Mm-hmm. And we're afraid mm-hmm. to get the head. We're afraid to get the head, because many of the brothers and the pants and everything, they chumps. They can't go out there and talk with cats on the street, and I hope they listen it. Yeah. No, if you call yourself a gangster, you go out there and you deal with the gangsters on the street. Don't get me and get me in a political rally, man, and you can't even stand on the corner at a gas station because the nigga will know you're a chump. Don't keep it real, man. That's right. That's right. You are, you are a panther on the Facebook but a chump on the street corner. Black power. Black power, and that's and, that, and that's real, Apple. Let's go to our phone lines. I'm open up our phone line real quick. We just, um, broaden the dialogue. Nine seven three six six eight one. Your mic's open. Yeah, what's going on? So I am black man. How you? Man, what's on, black man? What's going on, brother? I am. All right, I just called to say, man, let you know that we, me and a couple of comrades listening, man, we support you. But I got you. What, what that brother was just saying? That's some real shit. For real. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm glad he said that live on the goddamn radio. That's some real shit. But uh, we out here in Jersey and um, NY listening, man. Just, 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 just want to let you know that. That's all. All uh, right on, brother. So I'm going to put your mic on mute, man, if you know. And uh, you feel like chiming in, just hit it again, hit one again, and, and, and come back in again, and I'll open you up. But that's that's real, uh, Sherman Carr. That's real. That they're not. And one of the reasons, like what we talk about, Thank man, you. is that political ethics, that, that, that political education. That's right. You know, lack of political education. See, when you don't have that political education, you don't have really 
uh, anything to go to these young brothers and young sisters That's out right. there. And not just young brothers and young sisters, the masses of people out there with When you don't That's understand right. that, you know, a lot of us that we're dealing with the and what we affectionately in the political world call the lumping proletariat, or just everyday masses of people, even those brothers and sisters that are below the proletariat, below the working class, or hustlers, or survivors, to get it how you live, brothers and sisters. When you don't have an objective and a long-term goal and an agenda to empower us as a people, it's hard to go for them because they don't want to hear that sensationalism. They don't want to hear that rhetoric. They live it every day. We got these, you know, these revolutionaries, and we talk about revolutionary relationships. One of the reasons they can't uh, really cultivate this revolutionary relationship with the masses of brothers and sisters is because they're bourgeoisie. They're petty bourgeoisie. You know what I'm saying? They came out of their little colleges, you know, Negro and a little trusted and been through a gun range. Because like I said, you know, most of the cats I kick it with can't even carry guns anyway because they're fellas. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, you know, they, they, they go to their little gun ranges or whatever have you, and they have made the revolution or the so-called conscious movement or this conscious community a petty bourgeoisie uh, social club. You see what I'm saying? And it has stopped empowering a lot of the masses of the everyday people. So you start to kill the relationship with the masses of the people. One of the things we'll say coming from that third development from a lot of the brothers and sisters out there uh, called the original Panther Party was that even though you had these brothers and sisters that were on the college campuses and a lot of brothers and sisters coming from the college campuses, the, and this is just my opinion, and we got you here, Abu. We got you here, Chemical, to jump in here. Right. But they, they, by them being politically educated, are constantly doing mm-hmm. their political education, their political studies. They understood the importance of empowering the people. They really understood when they said all power to the people, empowering the people and having a political objective and a political agenda, and doing that for long-term aspirations and goals. But in the short term, having the programs that address their everyday needs, setting against fearful environments, the refurbishing of shoes, the ambulance program, the, uh, the clinic, the free clinics, of course, the world-renowned free breakfast programs. So having these everyday programs that address the needs of the people, the immediate needs of the people, with a solid ideological, with solid ideology, with solid practical um, uh, solutions for long-term objectives, I think, that really helped them to cultivate a relationship and help the masses of people to really cultivate a revolutionary relationship. You know what I'm saying? Not just a relationship with the comrades, but a relationship with revolution itself. But Let me just there. say how this. Did, how did that, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then I'm looking at the times, and I hope the comrade listen to me. The time the churches is now, listen to me very closely, the churches is now have stole all of the Panther program. Uh, they're feeding the people, they're closing the people, but they're not ideologically giving the people a revolutionary mentality. Today, I'm saying this, the comrades, we understand these centers that are closing and feeding the people but not giving them the ideology of revolutionary philosophy that we did back in the day with the Panthers, I'm telling the brothers today, and listen very closely, we got to be gangsters 
And I'm saying this, and I'm saying this and not in a gangster term of European, we got to be gangsters. We got to go out and we got to grab our brothers and sisters. And I'm saying the first thing that they understand, the churches and all these places feed the people, but the mind ain't being fed. We got to go feed the mind. We got to go where the mind at right now. Brothers and sisters are eating more than ever. Sisters looking like whales and brothers looking like dinosaurs. We eating everywhere. We being fed, but our mind have not been fed. And so I'm saying that every pastor today got to be a gangster in his ideology, and we got to go out in the field. The Vietnamese, Vietnam would never came free. They had the North, oh, well organized, but they took the Vietnamese, those in the rice paddies, or those who was in the field. They call them Viet Cons. Today they call them niggas. But it was those Viet Cons that today we call niggas that united and organized. And because why? Because somebody came and brought their mind together, a brother called Ho Chi Minh, brought their mind together. So we're looking at programs back then was good because segregation was clear. We all knew the cracker was the cracker. We all knew the clans was the clans. We all knew the police was the police. We all knew that we went to black schools, they went to white schools. Today they done camouflage all that so we don't know the enemy because we done lost our mind. Until we get our mind back together, and this is why the program is called Program, and it's not a radio show. I'm tired of shows. We've been seeing so many shows. We've seen Django, and we've seen all that. It's a program, and the program is me educating our people. The wall right now is the wall for the head of our people, man. And I'm telling brothers, we got to get that head because we're destroying ourselves. Why? Lack of knowledge. And Malcolm said, the most dangerous person is an ignorant person. If you walk down the street and you look for a Caucasian to shoot you down, a Negro will shoot you down because he dislikes your shoes. He dislikes the way you walk. He dislikes the way you talk. And you, both of y'all Africans. Both of y'all came from the same DNA. But he will kill you quicker. And then the police come down, a white boy come down, and that nigga drop his gun and run and hide. But he kill you, but he ain't going to shoot the enemy. Because he don't lost his damn mind. Our fighters for the head of our people. And we finna do some head shots right now. I'm going for the head. Black power. Black power. That's right. That's right. Absolutely. So and and and, and like you said, uh, it's about that getting rid of that losing that cowardice, getting out there, accepting that gangster thing. But I like what you said, breaking down to we have to break down to exactly what we mean when it means to be gangster, to start to be courageous, and going out there and reaching our people and pulling our people. And this goes back again, brothers and sisters, we're talking about revolutionary relationships. The need to cult those revolutionary relations, cultivate those revolutionary relationships. The need to nourish them. You know what I'm saying? The need to pull together. And not just 
relationships between man and woman, but relationships yeah. with the other formations, relationships with the uh, masses of the people, with the lump and proletariat. Mm-hmm. Also, mm-hmm. relationships. Let me just share this. Come on, talk to us. Let me share this. When yes, the Italians came over to America, they were lynched as well as black folk were lynched. Because when they came over to America, they were Catholics. And America was raised up by Anglo-Saxon Christians. And when the Italians came here, they was put in ghettos, man, in New York, Chicago, all over the place. And they say, hold a minute. So they organized. They had a pope behind their back because they were Catholics. Because America was Anglo-Saxon Christians. Still is today. The trunk bear that witness. And so they organized. They organized a street game. Then they went to the elders. And when they went to the elders, they organized the family. Then they organized the family and called themselves the Costa Nostra. Then they organized the Costa Nostra, and they said, no longer will they murder us and do anything that we want to do. In every city, there's a little Italy because Italians understood or the Catholic beliefs, they understood. And so you now you got the Costa Nostra, you got the Mafia, and all their leadership come from their motherland. And that's where the Godfather and everybody else at. The Negroes don't even stand, even the Italians. When I say gangster, I'm talking about being real gangster. Everybody know how to organize. The Chinese came here, and they sit, and they got Chinatown all over the country. Why? Because the Chinese knew how to organize their business. They knew how to organize their army, and they all recognized China, that they're Chinese. We're the only one here that talking black power don't recognize Africa, we say black power. We don't recognize brothers and sisters on the street corner. We hating one another. And we walking around as prostitutes because we got the biggest money and we go to a Chinese restaurant in a minute. We go to an Arab restaurant in a minute. We go to an Italian restaurant in a minute and talk about I won't eat good. And I take my uh, wife and my children to the restaurant. But they mm-hmm. understand they nationally. But we don't understand our nationalism. And it's not going to be deal with a gun. It's going to be deal with the head. you you got to go to the head. And the Europeans know that all the time. And even Africa and all the countries know. How you kill a man, you cut his head off. And that's what that happened to us as black folks in America Psychologically, we don't lost our head. The black woman, black man, done lost their head. I come in the house and I'm looking around. Uh, well, I'm supposed to live like this. A brother come in, I'm supposed to live like this. I walk down the street. Oh, the community supposed to uh, don't supposed to live like this. Who's telling you that? Ain't your arms telling you that? Ain't your leg telling you that? It's your head. And that's meaning we got to start hitting people in the head, whether they like it or not. But we got to do some headshots right now, Black Power. Black Power, that's right. But it goes back to you saying the um, 
but you were saying the key word, um, um, uh, Chairman Carr, when you're talking about nationalism. That's what, and everybody, they understand their nationalism. You know, they understand the importance of nationalism. That's right. Yeah. They understand they they understand the importance of nationalism and how to get some things and how to get and nationalism is gonna be the only thing and the only way that we get things accomplished. But it goes back to there again That's what right. you were talking about. Cultivating those relationships. You know, and That's right. and, 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 and cultivate and going back to with that having that sense, the thing that when we talk about the Chinese and we talk about the Italians and we talk about these other groups that have come over here and we, we see these other groups advance and things of that nature because one of the things that we learn from them is, and relationship, I like this word relationship because this word relationship can go, can be applied to so many different things. It isn't just the people, but also their relationship to modernity their relationship to advancement. Like, you know, they have um their they hold to their Chinese heritage and culture, but they also That's embrace right. the technology that will advance right. them. I think too many a lot of times in our Afrocentricism and our going back to reconnect with Africa, we go so far goddamn back Excuse my language, brothers and sisters. <laughs> that may have people <laughs> we go so far. Yeah. We go far <laughs> back. back. Damn Fred Flintstone. You know what I'm saying? Oh man, well, hey, yeah. <laughs> you know. Hey, we go hey, so hey, far back. Hey, Ajenga. Yeah. Uh, let me share this. And uh, this is uh, from Brother uh, Omar Ali Bay before he made the transition. He said, "Brother, go back." So far back and talk about the pyramid, building the pyramids, and they living in the projects. <laughs> Come on, that's right. You know that right. That is no right that they that they. So that's a form of relationship. There's a disconnect. The our people relationship comes to have a relationship. There must be relatability. And our people who are living, like you said, in the projects, who are starving who are trying to figure out where their next meal is going to come from, how to keep the lights on, in fact, how not to be evicted. And you sitting there telling them that they're pyramid builders, they this and that. There's no relatability. <laughs> so it's all for You're talking about a pyramid. But I know brothers say, right now I take a damn tent. You know what I'm saying? Anywhere to damn oh, real. So, yeah. Yeah. So there's no relatability. So when we come with that, when we come that hard at them with, you know, our understanding of Africa and trying to um, introduce Africa to them or try to reawaken that African gene inside of them, if we don't do it in a, in, in a manner that is relatable and applicable to their everyday life, you'll see that disconnect. You'll see that broken relationship with Mother Africa from her children, from her African children. Yeah, well... That is why uh, uh, Honorable Malcolm and Honorable Malcolm Saigati, when he went to Africa and began to look at Africa, and and one of the things that we have to understand and that we don't utilize is that the skills that we have here in America, and and it was a blessing for the Creator, even under slavery, we had certain skills. That's why we had our certain colleges. That way, the Booker T. Washington. 
and 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 all of these scholars. What they say is go back to Africa and unite Africa and bring the skills that we have to go back to Africa, but the Caucasians got us here and saying, no, you're not an African. So the Negroes don't believe that. That's why when a white boy told me today, man, God is good. White boy told me today, I'm an American. I looked at that white beard and everything else, man, he had everything on but a damn a clan hood. And that put me in check. That now and then we understand that our DNA, our DNA is not American. Our DNA is Africa. And we have to understand that. And because we're still here and we think that we're Americans, when every nationality know the region of their birth, but you and I, we sit and sit here and brother saying, well, what is black nationalism, pan-Africanism? How you mm-hmm. gonna be a panther? Right. No, how you gonna be a panther and you don't know your DNA? That's right. How you gonna be a black panther and you don't know your DNA? Mm-hmm. Everybody right. in America know their DNA. If we denied our DNA, we denied our birth, and I refuse to deny my mother, even though she being overrun, messed up. Confused because of all everybody went over there and raped her and drained her and and just beat Africa up. Man, Africa is beat up like man, like somebody beating up a woman on the street. But hmm. do I deny my DNA? No, I cannot no. deny my DNA. And so yep. I want the Panther to know: if you are a Panther, you must have DNA in Africa. If you Father and Malcolm, you have to understand his DNA. That's why he went home and became Omar Wiley. Mm-hmm. Then right. you have to understand Garvey. Man, mm-hmm. you got to go home. If we ain't go home spiritually and not understanding what we're doing, and Trump, and they're going to end this, man, and I'm going to let you tell your program, Trump saying, oh, are we going to stop the migration of immigrants? Yeah. And now, how do the indigenous people who I work with, the American Indian movement, the indigenous people, and they don't like to be called Indians. We call them indigenous because they're the natives. The Americans call them Indian. And they sit back and say, now, who is an immigrant? It's mm-hmm. easy because we don't study. This European came here not as an immigrant. He came here as a slaughter and a murderer. Mm. Mm, and he came on. in established the United States of America. He murdered uh, many indigenous babies and women and men to establish what is America. And I'm saying this, all people look at it, as long as you dealing on a lie and your foundation is on foundation of sin, then how can we be a revolutionary? Man, damn America, black power. Black power. Black power, and that's, and that's right, man. And that's what we're talking about. That lack of, that lack of, uh, that lack of, of relationship. You know, divorced from, we're divorced from that relationship with our mother, from our place of origin, our place of birth. And when you're divorced from that, man, you're an orphan child. You're a mongrel. You're a wild child. You know, you're listening to 
People's Black Panther Party, Independence Black Radio. I'm your host, Chairman Yang Nkrumah. Man, we got on today Chairman uh, Abdul Kaha, National Director of the Panther Education Committee. Just dropping, we're talking about revolutionary relationships. And, and this is an enlightening conversation because I think that it's expanding farther than what we always deem relationship to mean. You know, we'll take relationship to mean between two people and a lot of times between the king and his queen. But we're talking about that relationship with community, relationship with um, shop owners. And now we're talking about, and we just had uh, Brother Chairman break down the relationship, our relationship, our lack of a relationship and a connectedness with Africa and how we mistakenly have fostered a relationship with an oppressive uh, nation, with a, a, a capitalist nation, with a nation that has historically oppressed us. Jeremy Carl, let's go to the phone line. Let's go 862. Let me make sure I open it up here. Let's go 862-6341. Your mic is open. Yang, it's I am again. What's up? What's up, brother? I am man. What's the business, man? I've I, I got a question, man. One of the, one of the people that, that's listening with me, they want to ask the older brother, um, what is the is the new is the new party, new formations, as strong and effective as the original party, and, and if not, why? That, 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 that's the question somebody got. You heard the question. I'm. Uh, uh, the question was what now? Um, uh, the brother asking. The, the brother's asking. Um, is the the new the new formations, the new parties, different formations? Are they as strong and effective as the original party? And if not, why so? That, that's the question he asked. Oh yeah, it is simple because one is that uh, 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 brother Engel, uh made it clear. One is we not out touching the peoples. The uh, formation back then was we was out there with the peoples. This is why the government came. When it came to the past office, the peoples surrounded the office and protected us. When they came and they moved against us and we became political prisoners, it was the people that set up a political prison defense committee. I'm a witness of it. And I'm saying that right now, uh, many brothers and sisters call themselves Panthers. They are only un- uniformity, but not with the people. Right. So how do you get them to be with the people? Okay. I said, what now? Uh, the, the brother asked, how do, how do you get them, the new formations, to get with the people? I'm going to tell you something. What I'm doing here is now and then we got to step out and we got to do it ourselves because we got to be those who will sacrifice ourselves. When we say pastor, we got to maintain that formation. And so you got an organization. I don't know what city uh, you in or what other city in Cleveland. You ain't going to know right now. Ain't nobody going to walk in this city and see their Panthers and not be put in check. So so I don't know how other cities is uh, is being running, but if we study and we understand the history of, of the formation, then we come to those soldiers that who got ears to listening and not come to the ego leadership 
that is basically uh, Facebook, uh, Twitter, uh, News Eagle. No, you come to those soldiers and you drop it down and you explain it to them, and that's how we can best do it. Because I don't know how, no other way to do it. But if you ain't got boots on the ground with your people, then you got the ego tripping Negroes with titles and claiming position, and once again, don't even know no Negro on the street corner. You get to know the brother on the street corner. You get to know the sister coming out of the grocery store that need a bag putting a uh, her car. You do the work. They will see the work. But the egotistical maniacs, when Satan come from, from, you know that you have security among the people. That's the only thing that I can say. Just in Cleveland, ain't nobody can walk up here and say they Panthers. I can not speak for Cleveland. I put everybody in check. Even the black nationalists. We put everybody in check. That's you know, true. so. But what role does the church play? All right, so what role does the church play, if any? He said, uh, I believe. I, I yes. the question was, what role do churches play, if any? If oh, any tell you, uh, oh, what role the churches play is is right now, and that's why we're saying that we have, have to have that revolutionary relationship because right now uh in Cleveland we finna deal with the churches. The churches you got young brothers and sisters who are playing basketball on the streets. Why? Because the churches parking lot. They got the big parking lots and they got the parking lot locked up. Brothers and sisters could be in that lot playing ball. But it's open up on Sundays and they got white security guard looking like Jesus and got all their cars, and got all their parking lots, and then after Sunday they move. No, the churches as well contribute to the delinquency of our brothers and sisters. And I'm going to let you know, yeah, Reverend Big Head and Small Head, they still contributed. The parking lots could be used for our children to play, and they won't have to play in the streets. Where, where, where did the church program come from? All right. So where did the church programs come from? Where's what? Where did the church programs come from? Oh, it uh the church program comes from the government because religion uh they make a statement that it make it clear. With religion you are not tax exempt. So the government can give that. And I'll tell you something, since you mentioned that, brother, the church has always been at one time that we utilize to liberate ourselves, but then end up being utilized to destroy ourselves. You had the Nat Turners that came out of there. You had Harry Tubman that came out of there. But right now, what you're coming out there, called buffer zone Negroes. It called Satan in the pulpit, brother. Satan in the pulpit, huh? I hear that. I, that that that's referred to uh, a lot. I've heard that a lot. Satan in the pulpit. <laughs> All right, thank you, man. Correct. All right, All right now. And I have to attest to like what the what what Jeremiah said, man. For a lot of the um, 
brothers and sisters that out there, and I have to have them back for another show. So we get a little bit of this history. But the president charged feeding, holding, shelter, clinic, all came from the Panther Party. You know that, did you? I'm not messing with the Ramble for the party. The party provided that for free. I am. Are you asking okay, the question? Yeah, well, I, I, was talk, I was talking to the brother because I was telling him that earlier before he came in, the older brother was breaking down how um, a, 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 a lot of government programs come from the Panther Party. Like, like they shut down the original party but stole their programs. Yeah, uh, uh, yeah. Uh, you want to touch on that a little bit? Yes, sir. Please, yeah. please. Uh, <clears throat> our program was programmed that we did ourselves, and basically uh, we used the churches, and it was like, that was saying the churches today ain't the churches were back then. Uh, uh, especially in Louisville, Kentucky, we had a, uh, a breakfast program and the free clothes and the free sh- uh, shoes program and everything. It was held at a church, and the Reverend was had an understanding. But our program was not a government program, and we went to the stores. Number one, we told the stores they're saying that people taking money in, and they looked at us, and we weren't gangsters strong on. We just say you taking money in. Did that mean that we come in and get some bread, some egg, and some bacon? And they say, all right. Why? Because we will boycott your store. And so it was the community stores that supported the uh, program. So what uh, what white folks always do, then they look at it and say, oh, no, we're going to co-opt that because they have to finance the money. So now they got all these programs in the neighborhood, the churches, the centers, the feeding people, but they're giving you a white Jesus. Listen at me closely. They're giving you a white Jesus. They give you a compromise, and you leave out and walk in a valley of violence. But the Panthers, we were organizing and feeding you, and so you had a philosophy. When you went out, you knew who you were. And everything that we do, listen, brother, everything we do, they co-op it. They co-op it, and they change the philosophy and the ideology. The Panther right. was the first organization that fed the people. And now everybody feeding the people. But they failed to realize when the Panther fed the people, we not only fed their body, we fed their mind. Their Black, power. Power. Black power. And, and, and this is what Appreciate we have to understand. Appreciate that, comrade. Yeah, and, and this is what we have to understand. I, I appreciate you. And we'll give a little uh, history where we definitely have Chairman Carr back uh, a lot more time to be able to give a history, for him to be able to give his history in this. But I can, I can, one of the things I can bear witness for a lot of the brothers that may not know out there that Chairman yeah, yeah, Carr is yeah, my yeah, father. Yeah, yeah. Yes, yes, sir. But before you go on, go, go, go ahead and um, mute me out so you, so you don't get this feedback. I got, I got people in there. I, I, okay. I, I don't want to get this rough. All right. Got you, brother. I, thank you, too, brother, for, uh, you know, calling listening and getting the brothers all to meet you out out so we can get some feedback out there. But like I said, for you know, um, the brothers that may not, the brothers that may not know that, you know, Chairman Kaha is my my father, but one of the things that he can say that I can attest to is when he talks about this relationship with the community, 
and being able and walk in the community um, and having the people know you. I know when I went to Cleveland to see him, one of the first things that they said when I was walking through, oh, you passed the man's son. You see, and that opened up, that enabled me to have, <laughs> that enabled me to have a dialogue with the brothers and sisters on the streets by just the, the route that my father takes. I know especially in the warmer weather, he'll take that route, he'll go to the library. The library holds a paper for him in the morning. He got his little route that he takes to the library and he speaks to people. So he, he begins, you know, this, this, this begins a pamphlet show. Also, I want to touch on the, on the programs like you were saying and understanding the importance of the programs that we have. And this is why I like what our national chief of staff says war when he says that these so-called um, uh, things that, these, that the formations are doing, and this is not to knock their good intentions and not to knock the, their, their endeavors. You know, the actual doing, the actual action, they are not programs. They are projects. Why do, you, why do we say program? Because a program is just that a program sets out and addresses a lot of different issues. From It addresses a lot of different issues and touches on a, a variety of things. But one of the reasons that the government understood, I think, that they learned from the Panthers, they saw the how powerful and prolific the Panthers were becoming in the community by not just the grits, but the ideology of self-determination, African communalism. You can do what you want to, you know, and into individualism, capitalism, the exploitation, economic exploitation of a disenfranchised people. Basically, they were saying that we can do for ourselves and we don't have to keep getting fucked by the government or by any outside force. That the African people, black people in America can do for themselves. We possess the resources, the ingenuity, everything that it takes for us to be a self-sufficient people. So when the government came in and started implementing the free lunch programs, the free breakfast programs, they did the same thing in the feeding, but the ideology and the philosophy was different. And we have to understand that it took us from a dependence on ourselves to make us dependent on government programs. And once they have you dependent on government programs, that's the first thing they begin to threaten you with. We got everybody now, Trump's coming in, or they're going to cut these social programs. They're going to they cutting Obamacare. Well, when the Panthers were there, when the third development Panthers were out, or what, you know, some affectionately call the original Black Panther Party was out, when we had our own health care clinics, who, get, who, who would have really given a damn? By the time, if our health care clinics, if our health right. clinics would have lasted right. from this time, from that time to now, they'd be full-blown hospitals with free mm-hmm. health care. Or for, at the very right. least, affordable health care for people uh, disenfranchised or impoverished people. So we wouldn't have cared about that. Without free breakfast programs, we wouldn't have cared about food stamps. Without right. housing, I point to the front. We say we want decent housing fit for the, the uh, we want decent housing fit to shelter human beings, fit for human beings. We wouldn't have cared. Right. We wouldn't have cared about Section 8 housing. We'd have held the landlord accountable. To keep up the ten- tenements and things of this nature. So what they did is when they started to implement these programs, it was a blow towards our towards our footsteps in the in the direction of self determination and self sufficiency. And hey, this yeah, is what, yes, sir. That is why 
Conrad, I understand what you're saying. That's why we were we were called a political party. In Break order down, for us to do that, yeah, we are a political party. See, uh, many of us don't understand that, man, uh, that you, when you have a political party, the Panther Party represents the people. It was a political party. This is why I say the houses, the shelter, the free health clinic, and all that came from the politics of a political party. Today, the Negro thing that the Panther is a military organization. No, it's been a political party, and it still is a political party. Politics makes and calls decisions for everything, even your military. You got the Marine, the Army, the Air Force, and the Navy, but you got the Democrat and Republican Party tell them when to march. And black folks, we are here marching, and we don't recognize that we have to have a political party that represents you and I, black power. Black power. And that's exactly what it is. You're speaking with, this is the People's Black Panther Party Independence Black Talk Radio. I'm your host, Chairman Yang and Krumah. We got um, my dear brother on. I'm proud to say my father, my Abu, Chairman Abdul Kahar, National Director of the Panther Education Committee, the PEC. Man, I'm, I'm giving that wisdom. Giving that wisdom that only experience can give. Someone that has actually been there. So if you want to come in, if you got questions or comments, I'm sure the chairman is open to answer questions. Just hit your yes. Just hit hit one. I'll recognize you and bring you in. You know, um, um, but until then, we'll keep on we'll keep on rocking. But like um, Chairman Carr was saying, and I think that's the biggest thing when we talk about cultivating these relationships, Chairman Carr, is one of the ways to cultivate this relationship is understanding exactly what the party is meant to be. I think that we're out of whack of what the what the party is. And I like what you were saying with is that it is a political party. But since we're talking about a political party, why don't you go into a little bit of exactly some of the functions of a revolutionary black nationalist political party. What that looks like and what some of the some of the goals and objectives and agendas should be for such a party. Okay, one is that uh, when we deal with uh, the Black Panther Party and that formation, but we deal with the Mississippi Freedom Democratic Party uh, back in the early 60s, and because the Democratic Party was the Ku Klux Klan's, they were called the Dixocrat. It wasn't the Republican Party that was riding around with white sheets on the hanging niggas. Excuse me for my English. It was the Democratic Party. And Malcolm said it. He said it was a Dixocrat. The Republican Party come in, and that's a fight between white folks. It had nothing to do with us, the Mississippi Freedom Democratic Party, because we were not allowed to participate. And the Mississippi Democratic Party came about, and the symbol was a Black Panther. Now, any scholar that are listening, bring your butt on the line and talk to me. Go give me you facts and history. That the Mississippi Democratic Party had a symbol called the Black Panther Party. And brothers and sisters register under the Black Panther Party. We always understood politics mean everything. Your light bill, your water bill, where you living at right now is politics. 
politics mean everything, and we don't get involved in it. We get involved in the politics. We had a, a, a big movement in this country that I sit with, and I saw them politically die because of intellectual uh, of, of, of so-called leadership. We call NDIP, International Political Black Nationalist Party. I went with Indiana with them in Chicago, and I saw those Negroes fight among themselves. Called NDIP. Where's NDIP now? I saw a million-man march in Washington. I was there. Came back with a million more march in Washington. I was there. Came back with a million women march in Philadelphia. I was there. But because the Negroes didn't know politics and know how to organize our political power, we were just dressed rehearsing, marching. The Black Panther Party is a political organization with a military formation. Our party is black nationalism. They say, well, brother, we're black nationalism. Black nationalism means you take care of your family. You take care of your community. You take care of your people. Black nationalism means when you look in the mirror, you know who you are. That's what black nationalism means. That you shop people's eyes. You respect your people. Black nationalism means when you walk down the street, you say, how you doing, brothers and sisters? Black nationalism means you walk down the street past your brothers and sisters, even though you might dislike them, but you don't say a good word to them. That ain't black nationalism. Black nationalism, when you see that little child there, you walk by and say black power because you're dropping the seed in that head that one day going to grow up. And when you grow up, you say, there used to be a black man, a woman walk by me and say black power. You don't contribute nothing. Politics is everything. No, you ain't no, I'm serious. Politics is everything, man. They can change the whole, they change the whole political system now. We pay, live in a house, and we call ourselves black nationalists, still got to pay water bill. You still got to pay rent. You still got to pay your lights. You still got to pay your gases. And you live in a community where the day the cracker could come and rezone the whole community and cut everything off. That's politics. Yeah. And now these brothers walking around with their combat boots on and the AK-47 and all You there, Chairman? Yeah, man, because I'm telling you, man, because the brothers and sisters out here see you walking up and down the street. Shoot, man. They're going to say, wait, hold it. No, the Panthers and Third Development, we were hand in hand with the people. Every revolutionary movement, it was hard to actually for the police to find who the revolutionary was. Because you know why? Because it looked like everybody else on the streets. That's right. Come on now, man. I'm telling you, there are brothers and sisters I know and raised up in the 60s, man. They thought they were a Cuba, and they walk in the streets. That's how dumb the cracker was. They thought they were a Cuba. They walk in the street. Why? They're walking among the people. We all are one, and we look alike. Right. And that's the need to cultivate these. these. That's one of the things lacking. And, you know, to jump in there with you, Chairman Cobb, when we were talking about, you and I were talking earlier, we are talking about these revolutionary relationships. 
You know, and that's one of the things lacking. Right. One of the, in, in, in my opinion, black nationalism or the so-called conscious community has become almost like a drug. Has become an escapist mentality. We've created, yeah, we've created such a utopia from black consciousness that we divorce ourselves from the everyday problems that face us as African people. We think that if we go back into some deep, deep, deep form of Afrocentrism, and because we can read hieroglyphics, or we, or we know exactly the names of these different African tribes, and I'm not saying that's not a good thing. It's good to have an awareness and an identity and a knowledge of yourself. But if you don't advance that, if those things don't start to address real practical issues, then the people lose what we were talking about earlier, that relatability, and they can't have that relationship with the place of their origin. They can't have a relationship with their blackness because the only thing that their black, the only thing they relate to that their blackness has brought them is misery, agony, pain, and suffering. So we have to understand that they have to have a relatability to real solutions, to uh, a healthy, proper identity that promotes mm-hmm. the need and promotes uh, the understanding how imperative it is for us to start to practice self-determination and self-sufficiency and that we possess all the resources in our community to be independent of any outside influences. Like well, Yanko. Yes, sir. It is, uh, it is a learned in, in the past say one more is time that many... Okay, you hear me? Yeah, we can hear you now. Are you hear me? Yeah, we can hear you. Okay. Well, one is that I no longer make uh, no excuses that many of these brothers and sisters that are dealing with that Afrocentric and they're going back to the gistratology and all them, this is what is happening. And I want them to hear it. These Negroes know what they're doing. They are not going to come out and struggle for you and I. They are egotistical, ejaculation, uh, uh, ideological professors. Yes, they getting off on their own ego. They ain't looking at the masses of the people. Mm-hmm. They got that, and they can trip. Do you come down the street? Ain't no brother going to be walking down this on the streets, but I'll tell you, in the community hotel. Ain't nobody going to be coming down the street and, 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 and speaking Egyptian. That is their own circle that they have built to intellectualize themselves, to have their own satisfaction upon their own clicking group. And that's what they're doing. So when I hear brother, yeah, man, uh, you know, I study disontology and um, this and that, man. I don't sit with them so much they got my head hurt. They go all the way back to the sand and the dust and everything, and they walk out their house, man. They don't have no relationship with the people. Yeah. Are you there? Yes, sir. They don't have no relationship with the people. No. But you sit around your house, you got all your sculptures up, and you will break down a hotel up in, in Timbuktu, and you break all that down. No relationship with your people. I don't need to be fantasized and get a feel 
from you sitting in your house. I walk outside my house and I see my people. And you don't even go outside your house. You call yourself a professor, a, a PhD, a master degree. And you call yourself, you don't win all the back to Egypt. And my fight, Egypt ain't Africa no more. The Arabs don't hijack that. Every place you go, everybody hijack. You're black behind and you sitting there reminiscing. <laughs> black power, man. Get me fired up. Black, black power. Absolutely. Absolutely. Like you said, it's about cultivating that relationship with the masses of the people. You know, and that's and that's what we're here for. And to cultivate that relationship with the masses of the people in order to do that, like I said, we have to give the people something that's relatable. And that's about empowering the people to realize that the things that they need are right there within themselves. And the party, one of the things of the party, I know for the people's Black Panther Party, is just that, to teach a form of empowerment. To come along and start right. to teach, to start to teach this African, we believe that it can be found in the principle of African communalism, the pooling of the resources, the accountable spending, having a relationship. We go back to, like I said earlier, that relationship isn't just necessarily with other people, but it's with the uh, materials and resources that are around you. Accountable spending, having a relationship with your money, understanding um how our money leaves our communities and don't go come back into our communities. And I think that once that is relatable, once that really starts to click on in our head, we won't be so quick to spend our money in areas frivolously, frivolously, you know what I'm saying, without any type of common sense. To really, and, and when we do spend our money, where we have to spend our money, to find out if these places that we spend our money with, what, Things do they back? Do they back particular politicians or certain politicians that push for legislation that is directly, directly targeted for black people here in America? A lot of times, man, you know, we we, we, we support businesses and corporations that support stiffer and tougher laws and legislation that targeted us, that go to the intentional obstruction and hindrance of the natural evolution and advancement and empowerment of African people here in America. These type of things, this is what's imperative and important, and these are the things that's going to pull us through. You know, we get so grandiose. We look for these long-term, uh, we, 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 we get the big picture, which is necessary, but in order to achieve these big lofty goals, these big objectives and our dreams and our aspirations, we have to start small, and it goes back to like what Chairman Carr said, something as simple as speaking to your neighbor. I like how he earlier in the program broke down community by saying that it is just simply a compound word, common unity. And we're, we're reduced to neighborhood. And I heard someone say the neighbor left, so all we've got now is the hood. Literally the hood and hoods in our hoods. You understand what I'm saying? So this relationship, cultivating these relationships are imperative. And once you cultivate a relationship, relationships are cultivated just not on personalities but on common interests. They're again to be at the risk of being redundant. This common unity, what is this common unity? What is our common unity founded on and based on? They must be based on the same morals and ethic principles 
those principles that advance them, not principles, those principles of black liberation, black empowerment, black advancement, black self-determination, black self-sufficiency. And once we have those principles laid out, having those, like I said, we see the brothers marching with their weapons, and that's real cool to be able to have the courage and to say that, you know what, we're going to defend the black community, all of that's good. But defending the black community, I think that even this government has something, one of their lines, that in one of their oaths, they say they pledge to defend this country, any enemy, whether that's foreign or domestic. So once we as an African people start to lay down these morals and these ethics, principles in our community, then we need those courageous brothers and sisters that will stand up and say, you know what, I will enforce and uphold the moral and ethical principles of African communalism in our community. We will start to address the roving bands of young people who have out of misdirection or just plain malice and and evilness, you know, come and start to tell our communities. We'll start to address that by whatever means. By whatever means. First yeah. we pray that it's always education and empowerment and compassion and love. But by whatever means, we'll start to address drug abuse and other things that plague us as a people. But in order to address these things, the people have to feel that relationship. The people have to feel that you really have some, that they have some sincerity, that you really do care about. And like what Chairman Carr said, a lot of us have become cowardly. I call it escapism. It's easier to get into, become so-called conscious, and and this consciousness, they're getting the coach Chairman Carr. Like what he was talking about, they get their little band of circles, you know, so his consciousness has become a petty bourgeoisie elitist social club. You know, it's become a little thing that these cliques get together, and this is their way of um, escaping the reality or addressing the problems that face the everyday, ma- the everyday brothers and sisters, the masses of people out there. So this is the importance of, of our relationships. There again, brothers and sisters, this is People's Black Panther Party. I'm your host, Chairman Kahan. Feel free to chime one if you want to come in and ask Chairman. Damn, I said, I'm your host, Chairman Kahan. Look, Abu, I'm taking your identity. I'm your host, Chairman Yang and Krumah. We got our brother, Chairman Kahan, National Director of the uh, Panther Education Committee. If you have any questions or comments, some things you like to note, or some things you like to share with us, press one. We'll recognize you, bring you into the discussion, and um, keep this thing going. But one of the things, and I, th- I may have asked you earlier, Chairman Carr, but for some of the listeners just coming on, what are some of the ways yeah. that we can increase the relationship building between the revolutionary and the masses of people? What are some of the things that we can do? Uh, <clears throat> one is the uh, Stonia Post. Uh, with your uh, radio program, and I tell all uh, Panthers uh, that got radio program, stay on your post because I'm gonna tell you, and history shows this, and I hate it. It's nothing more than saying doo-doo and fitted brand. We are going to be forced to come together because we're trying to do it willingly. 
we reaching out our arms with your program and everybody else. But this racist government is going to force people to come together. And it will force us to come together in terms of our survival. Because there, there are two forces. One, you willingly accept your responsibility, and another, you get kicked in your butt. Big roles who are rhetoric talking the national level don't know that Hitler had came up in America. So I'm saying that we have to be prepared. You and I and other people running, believe they're coming to us. They're going to come to us because what we're saying, they don't feel it. They don't see it right now. And sometimes it takes a boot and a brother behind or a slap on the head. They say, damn, man, that brother and sister were right, man. I heard the other day, man, they were dropping that down. No. Because you still believe that this racist Caucasian love you. And we see in the third development there are three zones. There's a test of enemy control. We are living in a contested zone. That's why we are allowed now to be on the radio, uh, be on the program now because contested. We will be liberated. But this zone we're dealing with right now under this administration is going to become a zone under enemy control. That's when all the niggas going to be shut down. And that's when you're going to know who your neighbor is and how you walk. You walk in the streets. You walk in the village. <laughs> and the village will be your protection and your cover. So right now we're in a contested zone. This cracker let us talk all of this on this radio. Excuse me. Because it's a contested zone. But you wait when it becomes on the enemy control zone. And he on not going to allow to have a liberated zone. Liberated zone. Community is independent. There are three zones. Ain't the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. Right now, he let us talk. What is this? Enemy control zone. That's, That's right. That's right. And they, yeah. And, and they, yeah. Up in there through the enemy comes up in there through our, our lack of identity. I embracing it, you know. I allowing the enemy to come in. We embrace this. Uh, we embrace this enemy. We let them come on in and stuff, and that's because we don't know ourselves. That we don't cultivate cultural relationship with um with one another. We don't cultural cultivate this relationship with one another. We don't act as one body. See the body. Let me the body, this. I mean, yes, sir. Let me share this with you. Uh, we were brought here for uh, economic reason. Uh-huh. We are brought here, and we worked the fields. We worked the fact that we did everything. We built Wall Street. Don Trunk is a businessman who was a German ancestor. We built America. 
and now they don't have no need for you now. You go into a restaurant now, you got white folks washing dishes. You coming in now, Jeremy? You, yeah, what you do they have for the black man, black woman now? They have no use for So that's mean elimination. It's called genocide. There's Negro yeah. walking here every day. They don't have no need for you and I no more. Picking that cotton is long gone. Working in the field is long gone. So what is now is what Trump said. He's looking at Chicago and all the cities. Say, oh, we got a game problems. So I'm going to get the national security. Uh, we're going to eliminate all of that problem. What do it mean? It means eliminating every black man and woman. You walk the street, you're a suspect because yeah. you're black. And he set that protocol. And I'm saying Hitler did the same thing. And mm-hmm. what Hitler did, and I want brothers and sisters to listen in terms of politics, everybody was not a Nazi. And Hitler had help with people who called themselves Germans, and they said, no, we're not going to allow Hitler to come from the socialist Socialist Worker Party that organized the Third Reich and the Nazi Party. So he had opposition, but in the meantime, he was kicking asses. A lot of American people are not with Trump, and they're not going to allow Trump to set up a Nazi movement here in America. But at the same time, where you and I is at, and it's always by you and I. And that's why I say the party, the Black Panther Party, uh, Jagger Hoover said years ago, and the young brothers don't know, Jagger Hoover said the greatest threat to internal security was what? Talk to me, right. Jagger. Yeah. He said, he said, he said, he said the greatest threat. It was the Panther Party, man. Yeah, yeah. And he said, and he said, before I die, I will make sure that they eliminate it. He didn't say the Communist Party. He didn't say the Socialist Party. He didn't say the uh, 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 ACP. He didn't say the Urban League. He said the greatest threat to eternal security was the Black Panthers. And he set a program to move and murder over 30 of my comrades and locked up over 100 of my comrades. And he kept walking saying they Panthers. Because they did not want politics, and I'm saying telling brothers and sisters every day, it's the politics that going to keep our brothers and sisters moving. We have a daycare center. That's politics. We feed the people that pop. Everything is, once again, I tell Conrad, they is based around politics, and he understand that. And we didn't call ourselves, if we were just the, and I won't come around and listen at this, and you call it, if we could say we just the Black Panthers, oh, that's cool. But we say we the Black Panther Party. It ain't no party. We're sitting around smoking and drinking and chilling. No, this ain't a party. We saying we the Black Panther Party mean we have a, a political ideology of revolutionary. Philosophy. That's right, Chairman Carr. And you, and you, and you, and you are not my friend. You are my comrade, Black Power. Black Power. That's right on. 
Let's go to these um phone lines because I see you know we got them holding the queue. Four six nine five two six nine. Your mic is open. Hello, am I on? Yes, you are. All right. Um, and I and I I say this with all due respect and to respect to all the elders that's listening. Uh, one of my issues, and, and I'm from South. I'm in I'm in Dallas, Texas. And one of my issues with the whole movement, if that's what we would call it right now, is that I know that we are so divided and there are so many egos within each movement that we'll we'll never come together. And I, and I hate to say never, but we're not going to come together enough to ever make a mass movement enough. Did y'all see what just happened with, I think, the Hispanics. They all, most of them, 80% of them, took off work. America noticed it. Things happen to black people. We do small, small type things in groups, but it's never enough. We don't, we, we're not going to come together because there's too many egos. Everybody wants to be on top. Somebody always wants the uh, uh, publicity for getting the job done. But nobody has gotten the job done. If we were all together, and e- even if each organization, the Gorilla Frame, Mainframe, the Black Panthers, the the the, the African, uh, uh, what you call, if we all still under our own each ideology, still pushed some of the same messages across the world, each had the same type of platform. Because let's let's face it, uh, it no matter what you call your organization. You're supposed to be about the liberation and the upliftment of our people, regardless of what you're called. So if that's true, then you can have all the platforms and all the ideologies and everything that you want to, but we should all be geared towards the same thing. So each organization can still have their own independent purpose if they want to, but the problem is we so spread across the board and then each organization is against other organizations because they may get some attention or they may be doing something that this organization is not because nobody is together. Nobody will work together. So Dallas don't know what California is doing. Atlanta don't know what Chicago is doing. Philly don't know what Arizona is doing. Nobody knows and nobody cares as long as they're doing that each little thing, and that makes the ego big. That, that means that you're doing it for your own purpose. If we was doing this as a mass movement, then we would all come together on some of these issues and push them as mass issues. That way they will be having some attention. We could go to politicians. Right now we're so scattered. One dude over here asking a politician for this. One person over here is asking a politician for that. The other person needs funding for this and needs that. We're so scattered, they don't know who to do what for because we're not consolidated. We're not we haven't united on almost anything. We keep yelling for freedom, but we haven't told them how we want that freedom. Not as a group. We just have individuals yelling in people's ears, and mm-hmm. none of us are being. That's right. I, did you want to address that? I'm sorry, brother. Would you, I'm, I'm sorry. I did not mean to cut you off. No, I'm good, brother. That's, that's it. Did you want to address that? Uh, uh, and I'll go after you. Yeah, what is, <clears throat> and I said earlier, uh, what we 
through right now. And it's going to come. And I said that we got to unite with or we're going to be. And what is happening, we are moving where the focus is going to come together. When we talk, uh, this is why it's so important that we maintain the program that we do for the path. in your community on the ground. Don't worry about what uh, any other performation. Keep your when you walk outside your house and you represent, you represent our movement, you represent the liberation of our people. Then you're doing more than those cats who sitting back ego tripping. But if we get caught up in worry about the formation. Every day you wake up, you're a panther. Every day you step out of your house, you're a panther. But when you go to the grocery store, you're a panther. You go to the movie or restaurant, you're a panther. And so right now, we got to give the example to the masses of people who we are. Ain't worried about what's going on in Atlanta right now. Ain't worried about what's going on right now. But right now, I know that my village got to be secure. I ain't worried about what's going on in Houston and Dallas and any place else. I don't live there. But when I walk out my house, my house got to be secure. And I got to be known as a panther. The village got to know I'm a panther. And under this administration, you will see a lot of brothers going to reject being panthers because they're going to run high because they ain't seen Trump last name. Them niggas going to be put in the trunk. And they're going to squeal and they're going to holler. But you, in your village, your village must be secure. I can't secure anybody else's village. And they're going to do what they're going to do. But your light going to shine. Your light going to shine. Because people will see your life. And that's where we're at right now. And they ain't about no elf. It's about living the day and moving forward. Day you wake up, you are elder. So every day you lay in your bed, you done died, and you woke up. Every day you looking for a birthday, you are elder. All us elder, we need to stop using that excuse and talking about the elders. You're getting older every day. Black power. Black power. Black power. Um. Yeah, as, as as for me, man, I'm always. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Okay. As for me, I'm always reminded of uh, point number one, objective number one in the nine local objectives according to the manual, and that says to build. You know, one of our objectives is to build a strong black power movement. I think that That's one right. of the things that, that 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 has to be taught and that understanding has to be put out there. I think so many times we use movement synonymous with organization. And when we look at when we look at history at what a movement was, when we look at the sixties and the seventies, a movement consisted of various organizations. It consisted of dress, it consisted of dialogue, mm-hmm. it consisted mm-hmm. of literature, that's right. It consisted of music. It consisted of art. So all of these things, man, so 
when we talk about this black power movement that and I agree with you, brother, a lot of ego is hindering brothers from participating in the in, in the movement. But those brothers such as yourself and myself and Chairman Kaha that are big on not just pushing and promoting our organization, but promoting a movement of liberation and a movement of empowerment of the African here in America, I think that we'll be successful for no other reason than history teaches us that evolution is inevitable. Evolution is yeah, inevitable. Yeah, let me just share this. Uh, Malcolm Daughter, uh, Malcolm Daughter is going to be uh, <clears throat> uh, coming to Cleveland. Uh, April the 21st, the black department that I've been with that, working with them for years, and uh, Cleveland State is, is is funding everything. But the call went out and say no, she's going to have the Black Panther Party uh, to pull security for her and everything set up. So I got everything set up. Uh, my minister just talking. Your phone and I'm talking. Now. Yeah. So I'm saying that when we talk about the Black Panther, that we are in the village, I'm saying that we have, with those formations in, in the village, and Yanga know when he came to Cleveland, we have that type of relationship. We had a type of relationship even with the black council people that came to our meeting because you there represent us. And Malcolm said, no, black power means controlling the politics and the politician of your community. That's another yeah. of our platform program. And so we do that. So I'm saying that uh, we build the coalition, and that's what it called <laughs> black nationalism and pan-Africanism. We work with the black studies department. But I have the right to uh, tell any of those Negroes who are sellouts is the same way I walk on the street and catch a brother selling heroin. He's a sellout. So I ain't going to stop me going to a high level if brother who is being misled. No. Anybody that is coming in and affecting the community and not supporting the liberation of our people are the enemy of the people. I don't care if they wear a bow tie, a necktie, or sagging pants. They're going yeah. to be corrected. Black power. And that, black power. And, that's the, and, and, and to go back to the thought, and that's the whole thing, brother, with, with, with us when we're pushing a black power movement. And those of us that have a revolutionary understanding, and we know that, like, um, what you said, man, what you broke down, which is a real sickness in the so-called black power movement, is, is, is this narcissism and these egotistical Negroes, but those of us with a revolutionary understanding, you don't know how many times I've had to swallow my pride to a certain degree, that is, of course, you know, um, in, in order for the sake of the movement, for the sacrifice and for the movement. But when we know that it's bigger than our, than our specific organizations, we will do that to promote and to push other organizations. Right. It's just like, you know, the prime example. You got some formations that are big. Us as the People's Black Panther Party, we're big on building an infrastructure on teaching the masses of African people uh, certain ideology and certain things that will that they can do to empower themselves, whether it be uh, being informed in their local politics with the councilman monies that are allocated to their neighborhoods and other issues from health and things of that nature. 
but we have some some formations that are very big on paramilitary operations and very big on the defense ap- the defense aspect of the whole revolutionary movement. Very very big. They're taking militancy to a whole nother. I'm not gonna say different level, but that is their specific expertise and their specialty. We have to develop. So what I do, or what I attempt to do with these various formations that do that, is that if they have found mind, of course, to work with them, and why not cross-train? Why not find all of these, we have all of these defense organizations and defense formations, why don't they have cross-training for defense? Nations do it. Hell, we train with Israel. The police do it. Police from different states train with different states and learn different techniques and tactics. So we these are things that we have to promote and sometimes you have to pull these so-called leaders to the side, let them know about their ego, or let them, and as long as it's not a destructive ego, allow them to indulge themselves in that. Because we're living in such serious times, brothers and sisters, that the revolutionary mindset and the revolutionary is going to rise to the top like the cream. Because like I was saying earlier, that I believe in evolution. And history bears witness that if a people don't evolve, those people become extinct. Or at least the people who in prehistoric primitive ways become extinct. So it's constantly evolution. It's constantly evolution. And the highest in this day and time, the highest form of evolution for the African here in America is the revolutionary mindset. I'm thoroughly convinced. I am thoroughly convinced that if the brothers and sisters don't start to develop a revolutionary mindset, a mindset that promotes self-determination and self-sufficiency with a proper ideology and methodology, the proper ideology and method of enacting revolution and enacting particular solutions and ways to take care of ourselves and to gain our independence and to be free from foreign influences and outside influences then that type of brother and sister, the brothers and sisters who don't do that are going to fall by the wayside, and the whole app, the whole concept of the independent African is going to uh, die with that. But just like from the time that they slapped the first shackles on the first black man and black woman, when they tugged, when they pulled back, when they hollered out, no, the resistance movement was born. So there has always been a people that have kept up the resistance movement, despite what we faced, whether it was Christendom, whether it was the enslavement and them putting a religion on us and them changing our language, not changing our name. History still bears witness to a lineage, to a line of resistance fighters, freedom fighters, liberation fighters. It is always, history has always bear witness to that. So we're going to face this. What we're going through is not a new phenomenon. It is not a new phenomenon. The egos self-serving, it is nothing new. But the times are going to get so perilous, the times are going to be so hard, that the masses of the people, which we at the People's Black Panther Party, and which I learned from actually the way we call Chairman Carter People's Chairman, that the people will elect their leadership and they will tear limb from limb the, uh, the charlatans, the snake oil peddlers, those people that come with anything that is not revolutionary and not empowering to the people. We are living in such times that the masses of the people will start to destroy them and tear them limb from limb. So my advice would be just to keep and 
pushing and promoting a black power movement through your organization, or if you don't belong to an organization, joining an organization that shares your ideology and that you can agree with their methodology, their method of achieving these goals and aims and objectives, and that they stay on track by not only trying to achieve them but still doing what I firmly believe in, objective number one, building a strong black power movement building a strong black power movement. So I encourage the rappers, the R&B singers, the poets, the artists, the dancers, the dressmakers, the everything that's, that goes into building a movement. But just, you know, saying that, I think that that's what um, is what's going to be the salvation, us creating a movement. Because it's just that. Anything that doesn't move dies. If it isn't moving, it's dead. If something's just laying there and it doesn't have any type of movement, nine times out of ten, that thing is dead. If it isn't dead, it's damn near close to dying. Okay, so so can I ask you this question? Yes, sir, bro. And, and, and keeping in mind with, with, with that thought, with the movement, uh, in order for something to move correctly, because you can move backwards, which is counterproductive. Yes, sir. So, so yes, when then keeping it moving forward, if you if if we're calling this a movement, uh, then what is the what is the 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 operation used to communicate to each individual? Because not because I understand what the brother said, you got to take care of your house. But remember, in a movement, if 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 if, if all of them ain't swimming the same way, you just moving. You ain't doing nothing. You're just moving. So we have to keep moving forward. And the way right. you do that is is if we are moving forward as a group, if we are moving forward with a single purpose, with a single movement, if, if, I'm in, if I'm in Atlanta and I'm calling myself the same thing that you call yourself in Dallas, Texas, then we ought to be doing the same thing. We ought to be under the same ideology. We ought to be doing the same methodology. So – how how are we guaranteed that if I join the group Atlanta, I'm gonna be doing what what the main group is doing, what the main Panthers are doing? That way I can be in line with the whole thing. We can all be pushing the same message. Mhm. Mhm. You did. Right, did you want to Did you want to say something to that, uh, Chairman Cobb, before I address it? What now? Did you want to address that that question before I address it? Oh yeah, man. Yeah. Simple. It's all simple. One is when we talk about movement, we talk about people that are making commitments. And that commitment. See we talk about the movement, it ain't that easy. The biggest movement America ever had was the UNIA. And uh, when Malcolm came back and he organized the organization African American Unity, and in New York or Liberty Hall, the Honorable Malcolm Saigon, he understood that a united people and the big organization. And what we're dealing with is that comrades still do not see it. 
And I said it, and I'm saying it again. The government said the greatest threat to internal security is the Black Panther Party. And many of the organizations are set up with brothers and sisters who are not have intentions of building a black liberation movement. Counting right. the programs say, number one, it was set up fictitious organization. You could become a panther on Facebook and the media and Twitter, but you don't know nobody. And half of the membership in your organization are government agents. And you might be the only original person there that have intentions. I'm talking real warfare. I ain't talking no rhetoric. And so when you understand, that's why I go back again and say, if you ain't got the boots on the ground with your people, that's one thing. I'm not worried what's happening in other cities. I got to worry about when they come for me here, do I have protection? Do I have security among my peoples? Do I have security in my village? I can't worry about anybody else's village. And we can go through the three Ds. We can go through the general orders. We can go through uh, the nine objectives, the 12 platform program. But I'm saying right now that there's individuals, grown men and women, who are in position, what you going to do? You going to go there and whoop them and tell them and hold no position? No. The people's. At one time, I was national chairman. And they say, oh, brother, we just had elections here in that chairman. Man, I ain't arguing with that because I'm the people's chairman. Nigga, you can remove me from any position that you claim to sit on, but the people's ain't going to remove me. And when the people remove me, then I'm in trouble. Right on. And that's why we say, that's why we say, we the People's Party, we look for too much about oh, this formation, that formation, this formation, that formation. It's going to be built that way because you think that you're Panthers and you ain't got enemies, then you lost, you were dreaming, you sleep. You say you're a Black Panther, you're a revolutionary, and don't think that you got no enemies, you sleep and you lost. I'm saying yeah. to be a black man, period. In America, you got an enemy, and then declare a revolutionary party you part of. You ain't think you got no enemy, man? Believe me, man. These niggas know, man. That the the Panthers ain't got no Girl Scout, Boy Scout just walking around up in there. They got forces up in there. Job is to discredit us. Job is to destroy us. And they know. Mm-hmm. I know. And you know how you know them? I'm gonna share this on the line. When you get a panther who ain't doing no work with the people, that's one thing. We say we're the people's party. You got a panther who sit behind a desk 24 and ain't out in the community. You got a panther that ain't known by his next-door neighbor, don't know about his uh, grocery store owner down the street, don't know about the daycare center down the street, then he ain't panthering. Yeah. I see we the people, Panther, when the people know you, when you walk the street, that's what it is. Don't give a damn about what title you call yourself. You know by your work. And your work right. is told by the peoples and is not on Facebook and Twitter. 
You know, when I come in your city and I walk with you, the people know who you are. And let me jump in there. Yeah. Yeah. And, and 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 let me jump in there. Let me let me let me let me ride with with, with you on that, Abu. Because exactly, I, I see what the brother's saying, and that, and I agree with with uh, Chairman Kahar on that one hundred ten percent. To understand that this movement is not going to be overnight, that it's going to be a it's a protracted struggle. So when we get out there, right. and when we get out there, and we start to educate the masses of the people, and despite the people having our name, let's choose for example, exactly this Panther thing that's going on. There's a million and one Panther formations, but when First of all, the third development Panthers, what they call the original Panthers, has set such a precedence that people already are expecting a certain standard and a certain thing from the Panthers. That's right. When we as Panthers and revolutionary Panthers and revolutionary black nationals get out there and educate the masses of the people and start to affect a change in the people's lives through revolutionary black nationalist philosophy and methods, and practices of revolutionary black nationalism, those that don't come with that same thing but are calling themselves Panthers, I am a firm believer in all powers to the people. It will be the masses of people, the masses, that expose them for the frauds that they are. That's right. They will expose them for the frauds they are. Those revolutionaries, I would advise any revolutionary to do the research and the homework of any formation that they're belonging to. But when these revolutionaries... Um, parties get out there, it's like something Chairman Carr said earlier, and I got a lot of my groundwork and footwork in Cleveland under Chairman Carr. When you do the work of the masses of people, there is not, I've been in a lot of cities. You know, I'm in Atlanta, where there's three or four different Panther formations. I've been in Jersey, where there's two or three different Panther formations. I've been in a lot of cities where there's a lot of Panther formations. Cleveland, I can honestly say, is probably one of the only cities that doesn't that only has one Panther formation. There are not there. There's only one Panther formation, and Chairman Kahar is known as the chairman of Cleveland for the Black Panthers. If anything wearing a Black Panther buddy or anything remotely associated with Black Panther comes through Cleveland, Chairman Kahar is notified. When Malik Jules Shabazz came through there for the. Uh, that March when the uh, uh, Republicans had their national convention, they contacted Chairman uh, Carr. Anything remotely rolling to Cleveland. And this is not because he's some 600-pound gorilla, but the work that he does in the community and the people have gotten behind and supported and know him that if you come through there with a Panther button, the people will stop you. If you say Black Panther, the people will say, oh, you know Chairman Carr. And if you don't know Chairman Carr, I know his defense minister, I know his minister of justice, then somebody in that formation is going to be notified. This is where I know that the work that empowering the people, and when the people get to know you and they're empowered by your teachings and your interaction with them every day, they will defend that cat, a lot of instances, harder than people who are wearing the cat. But it just takes that everyday, that everyday work. So that's where that's going to, that's where that's going to come in. You know, the Panthers have to, those of us of revolutionary mindset who are wearing that cat and hold to the traditions of that cat and understand what that cat means to us as a people historically, going all the way back to Lowndes County, Alabama. I'm not just talking about the third development with our dear our brother, Chairman Bobby Shields and Defense Minister U.P. Newton. I'm talking about Fannie Lou Hammer, Robert Williams, Black Panther Party type thing, all the way back. 
Democratic Mississippi Democratic Freedom Party, that type of thing, going all the way back to there, understand historically what that cat means to the black community. And those of us that carry that torch and, excuse me, want to continue our fight under that banner along those same along that same philosophy of, of empowerment of African people here and self-determination and self-sufficiency will go out amongst the masses of the people and it will be the masses of people that will point out those that are counter-revolutionary and counter-productive. And, it's going to, and that's what it's going to take because the conscious community or the movement has been so flooded with counter-productive and counter-revolutionary brothers and sisters, some consciously, some unconsciously are doing it, that we're pointing the fingers at one another that it, the water has become muddled and, mud, and, and muddy. But it's going to be the masses of people who determine who has the right to wear that cat or not. And it's going to come through our educating in them and through direct action, through programs that affect their lives directly and change their lives directly. So when someone else comes through with that cat on, they're going to say, this is not what a panther does. If someone comes through exploiting the community, they're going to say, this is not what it does. And we see this, and I'm in, in being brief because we're winding it down. We see this when we study those of us that study revolution. We see this in the Cuban Revolution. In the Cuban Revolution, what happened when those brigades, when those renegades broke off from the revolutionary army, revolutionary formation, and started to pillage and plunder and rape women in the villages? And even some of them had taken the name, taken the identity of Ernesto Che Guevara, saying, I'm Che or I'm Fidel, or using the name of revolution. It was the villagers that knew these can't be revolutionaries and went back and started to notify other revolutionaries because the actions that these people were coming, saying they were doing in the name of revolution, were counter-revolutionary, counterproductive. And the revolutionaries that did their job so well in educating the masses of people that they could smell, you know, don't come here smelling like a skunk telling me you're a pussycat. I know a damn skunk when I smell a skunk. <coughs> I don't care if you paint your stripe. You stink. You're a skunk. So the, the, it really is going to be about empowering the people and giving the people the tools to empower themselves. And once they realize what revolutionary black nationalism is and what a revolutionary type is, see, that's one of the things that we feel. And I'm going to have to have Chairman Carl again on another show that we talk about the revolutionary type, the, the, the evolving, the nigger evolving into a revolutionary type forming a revolutionary cadre. So when they know what the revolutionary type is, they know what a nigger type is, or they know what a counter-revolutionary type is, or a counterproductive type is. So it's really going to come It's going to come with a lot of work, and that's just where the work comes in. But I, am, I do believe that, especially in this day and time, with, with all that's going on, that the revolutionary will be weeded out from the non-revolutionary or the counter-revolutionary. And it is, the, it is our time, brothers and sisters, those of us that are revolutionary mindset, those of us that are revolutionary black nationalists, revolutionary pan-Africanists. It is our time, not our time to shine, but our time to do the work. And it is really going to be a time, it is so uh, detrimental, times are so detrimental, that it is, it is our time to distinguish ourselves and separate ourselves from those people that are simply wearing the cat or simply saying they're in this, Revolutionary movement It's going to be the time of teaching Our people need to know the difference between Revolutionary black nationalism and cultural nationalism Theological nationalism Christian nationalist, Muslim nationalist Comedic nationalism So it's just a time of education and direct action 
and proper methodology to affect the changes, to affect directly the changes in our people's lives, the ones of proletarians who are suffering the, the, the worst of this shit. It is our time to get with them and address them, and they will be the vanguard. The, the people will be the vanguard. Not none of these Negroes that didn't just sign up and pay their little $30 and got a patch. You know what I'm saying? It's going to be the people that become the vanguard of their own empowerment and their own uh, self-determinist movement. Listen, we're, we're winding down, man. I love this conversation and this discussion. We got two minutes. Jimmy Carr, I can give you 30 seconds to a minute if you want to say anything in closing. <clears throat> well, yeah, because uh, my phone is running out. One is for the comrades and uh, brothers and sisters uh, that are listening. This is a program. This is not a show. And a program right. is meaning that we need to be programmed. We need to be programmed as revolutionaries and a revolutionary is one who's been revolutionized, like one had been baptized. We've been revolutionized. Say we were revolutionary, that we went through struggle and understand what a revolutionary is, then we're going to make some mistakes. But we hold our posts. Hold your posts. Hold your posts. If you with five people, then four of them lead, you hold your posts. Right and on. we stay right. on our posts because right. those four lead, there are going to be 400 others that are going to come and look at your leadership because you're holding your post. Right on. It ain't about, it ain't about me and about you, about it. it's about the people seeing and we holding our grounds. Holding our posts. And that's all I want to say. To, that's all I want to say to the comrades. Hold your posts. There are going to be many, many formations. Uh, before this winter's over, we got Chairman Carr. I got sixty. Well, I'll tell you something. Let me, Chairman Carr. I'm gonna tell you Yeah, they I had a program, 60. Steve. Chairman with Carr, a real path got, to please stand Chairman, up. Chairman yeah, go ahead. I got six. I got sixty yes. seconds. So let me go on and wrap it up because we don't even, you know. And what we have to do is invite you back. But I want to thank everybody who oh. called in, listening. Check us out again. We're gonna be coming. We're moving our show to Friday. We're moving our shows to Friday nights. Um, check us out again Friday nights. I appreciate everybody calling in. We'll have Chairman Carr back to continue this discussion. But with that, I'm, I'm your host, um, Chairman Yang and Crew, People's Black Panther Party. I leave you as I always greet you. All powers to oppress people, African power to an African people, and black power. Black power.